actually will be interviewing as a team. You are the best movers on the planet. So, bro, what kind of muscles you have? No. Bro, what kind of patterns you have? We're here to fuck shit up. I'm making fun of you just because I know you, but I think he's right. I think that like nihilism is a muscle that can be worked and like seeing the absolute worst in everything is a muscle that can be worked. Mm -hmm. And I was very, like, very good at that for a long time. Like since. That's <laughs> why <laughs> you and I were friends because I, I think we were both so negative and we just talk shit about everyone. Fuck that person. That, but like that person, we would say negative things about them, that person. And it just, I, I feel like it, it's. Yeah, we were, <laughs> we're eating cynicism for breakfast and it was delicious. It was so delicious. And it was so fun because you could just, you could live off bitching. That's what it felt like. I mean, you and I were living off bitching. It was, and it was fun, and it, but it was kind of like crack. Yes. I've um, never done crack, so I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I always say it's like crack, and you know I've never done crack. Yeah, I, I, I was like, have you done crack? Did, we, oh. did I miss something? <laughs> so then I just say, when people have seen crack, and then I say, oh, well, you know, like smoking, and then, I, and then everyone knows I've never smoked either. And so then I normally go to sugar, but then I don't like vilifying sugar, although I know you do. Um, but it's the same thing. It's kind of, it's like a high. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, I think at a certain point, um, I like what, I like what, is that Asia Bartow? Is that mm -hmm. your, pa your pal? Yes. Um, I think he's right. And I've definitely been, I don't know if I call it positivity, but it's more being kinder, I think. Kind of. I like to look at it as kinder because positivity and negativity are two words that it's too black and white. Me. Yeah, they piss me off a lot. Okay. And I also and I hate good vibes. I'm not <laughs> like that either. I don't like good vibes. Well, because they're so fake as well. So I prefer like honest and kind. And at least that's that's how I try to look at it. But you whatever gets you whatever gets you through the day. Right. You, if you have to say good vibes, I feel like you're forcing it or you're, you're telling yourself good vibes when there really aren't good vibes. I know. Can you imagine like Lisa Weslet wearing that on your t-shirt? <laughs> you would lose business immediately. I feel like that's part of your, part of your charm, not your charm, I shouldn't say. I think part of what perhaps attracts people to you is that, My kind, sarcasm. Of, um, that kind of snarky thing. It's your yes. thing. Which I think is fine, but I think as long as I don't, I don't live it too much. Where it's a, it's um, uh, taking up my entire day, where I'm just like annoyed by everyone, and I have to, you know, give them the space in my head to to be annoyed by them, you know, as opposed to oh, whatever that was fine, you know. But if people are going to ask me questions on Instagram, I'll, I'll I'll use that time to be mean and snarky, I guess. Yeah, totally. It can't be the whole pie, but um. It's a, I think it's a fun part of your personality and of my personality too. Um, yes. And I actually, I really like, I like the sort of humorous side of myself uh, because it reminds me of like, I always think about this. I was visiting home, which is Scotland um, for the, I mean, the first time in nearly two years last month, which was great because I got to see my family have all been there and I've not seen them in two years. Um, but you get... America makes you soft with the humor because there's not that many people 
giving ah, it to you in the same way. Cause, yeah, because at home it's trading and sheep and threats. And that's how we talk to each other. And you get used to that way. And then I remember when I moved to the US, I didn't understand what anyone was doing. And then you kind of assimilate because there's only a certain point where you kind of have to explain a joke 300 times. And then you're like, oh, I'm probably going to abandon this style of humor. <laughs> um, <but laughs> Maybe then, I'm not that funny. No, I know. But then you go home and get ripped a new one because everyone's like, who are you? Um, so anyway, I, I feel like I've been on a journey of learning how to leverage that side of me and not, mm -hmm. not like get rid of it, but um, I don't know, season it perhaps. It's like salt and pepper rather than the whole meal. I like that analogy. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's a good one for you because you are very gray now. <laughs> I am very gray. When I, uh, when I cut my man bun and the hair got short, that's when I was like, whoa, what, what happened? Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with it. As long as the hair stays there, that's all that really, that's all that really matters to me. I mean, you're lucky you have any because when I, when you and I were spending a lot of time bitching together, um, that was in the phase of your life when you were shaving in your parsing. Yes. That was a crisp time. That, that, that was, was a very crispy time. Um, <laughs> like everything was very, um, I mean, and that was that even that era of Wes was predated by when you were sort of trying to gain weight and you were going to Shake Shack <laughs> every day and then getting carried to the gym to reduce your calorie burn. So, so th this is a this is a great place I think to intro, because first of all, um, I don't even know what episode it is. I'll probably say Movement Athlete episode eighteen. That sounds good. It's becoming a theme that I don't know what the episodes are either. I prefer seventeen, but if okay. we have to go with eighteen, that's fine. I, I can give you episode seventeen. There's I'll no rules it. here. Okay, Thanks, perfect. Wes. Um, so episode seventeen, I'll even write it in the post. Um, across from the screen, I have Iona, and the funny thing is. She's starting to reminisce here because Iona and I have known each other for probably like, what, eight years now? Probably. And the interesting thing about it is like, I don't, I don't like to be embarrassed. You know, I like to be the one embarrassing everyone else and being rude, you know, and, and when the idea of Iona coming on the podcast came up, you know, I was like, oh shit, Iona's probably one of the few people that know all the stupid things I did in my 20s. So that this yeah, your anus puckered a wee bit. Yep, a, a little bit. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's one way we could say it. Um, yeah, probably exactly. But you know, but then Iona can also formulate a sentence like, "I will break up the toxic males swinging their their dicks." Um, and I was like, "Oh wow, you know, I need to bring her on the podcast. Someone that can say put that those words in a sentence, you know, because all my guests are going to be men with man buns saying the same thing over and over again. So I, I need some variety here." Um, <laughs> Now we can go back to whatever we were talking about, but I just thought it was the perfect intro because you were, you were starting to talk about all, all oh, yeah. the absurd things here. Yeah, yeah. When I, so for those who are listening, um, of, of many, I'm sure, um, when I first met Wes, um, I actually thought he was homeless because he was <laughs> doing, um, he was doing, I, but this is the thing about you, Wes, I always appreciated is that you were even though the way that you teach and you went from sort of, I don't know, CrossFit to whatever you do now. Um, whatever I do. And I mean, I'm saying, I'm saying whatever you do now and I know exactly what you do. You've <laughs> you been like on a journey. That do. You've been on a journey, but you've been consistent in it and you've been committed to it. And I, I still remember because I had just moved to Boston 
to start my master's and I was kind of walking into a, this CrossFit gym in Fenway in Boston and there's this like homeless guy in the back doing movement screens and that person was here. <laughs> <laughs> and, this, and you were wearing, I mean, you couldn't have looked more miserable. And I certainly canceled on you one time and didn't give you any advance notice and just sort of continued on with my life. But even during that time, you went through an evolution of you were dressing like uh, in it was in like what size are my clothes? Triple them and walking around in those with a hoodie, <laughs> not shaving. And then you went all crispy and were like shaving in your parting and everything was very neat and tidy. Um, and then around the time where you moved to um i'm blanking on where you live i know exactly where you live charleston charleston um you then i was like what is going on with him because then you grew out your man bun and you were wearing sleeveless tank tops or whatever you <laughs> like i don't know what it's these very things warm are. here i need a lot of yeah ventilation. Sure, but and yeah it's been a whole journey of of that and i feel like i've been along for the ride in various capacities in different ways from bemoaning and helping you swipe on tinder um, to, as we talked about earlier, bonding through bitching and being assholes. Um, I probably built a website for you at some point. Um, I think you we built probably a worked, We probably did CrossFit together maybe a few times, although by that point, that was the thing about you, though. You were always off in the corner doing your own weird thing. I've always liked working out alone. Yeah, though. similar to my partner, Sean, who's very much, they, they would call him at the CrossFit gym, like the cat kneading his paws on the floor. It's like, what are you guys doing over there? But you, you guys were committed, so it was great. <laughs> um, let, uh, let's jump right into it, though, because I, I really want to, um, let's talk about where you're from, because you were bringing that up earlier. You're not from here, are you? You're not from America. No, I'm not. I'm, I am from Scotland, and I'm actually from Scotland. So not one of these people that's like, oh, I'm Scottish when they come up to you and I'm like, no, you're not. You were born in the US. I understand perhaps your heritage and lineage, but I was born in Scotland, raised in Scotland, and I only moved to the US in um, 2009 when I was recruited to play field hockey at Syracuse. So that's a division one sport. We were a top four program, but I showed up and I had no idea what that meant. So I really landed in the lion's den in terms of competitive sport when I showed up here. Um, but it was great. That was my passport. That was my passport over to the US and I've been here ever since. So I'm pretty sure I heard a pretty crazy story that you were, so in here it's high school. What is it in Scotland? Is it high school too? And then you go on to college? Is it called something else? Senior, senior school then university would be the... Senior school. I feel like I'm in Harry Potter. That sounds so much more... <laughs> totally. Well, it's very, that was probably the middle class way of calling it. They might have called it something else, but where I, where I went to school, it was called senior school. So you finished senior school. Then were you not, and you know, I'm, I'm probably going to mess up the details here. You were working in a bakery. Then someone came in and told you that you should go play field hockey in the States. Then two days later, you're on a full athletic scholarship to like one of the best D1 schools in the country. Um, that is tr pretty much true. Okay. Uh, yeah. I was studying painting and printmaking, a very lucrative profession yes. in, at art school. Actually, I mean, it can be. It's just it wasn't a good fit for me. I was in art school and having a terrible time. Although during that phase, I was, you know, I was kind of wearing clothes back to front and just looking like an absolute scene. Um, also so anyway... Homeless. Yeah, exactly. And I was working part-time in a bakery. It was close. It was a, a French creperie or creperie, yeah. as you call it here. Uh, 
basically making drunk people food. And one day um, I decided I was dropping out of, univer of university, but I had no plans and I'd missed the deadline for application uh, for the next year. And one of my old coaches, and I've been playing, I've been playing hockey since I was young. Uh, one of my old coaches came in and started chatting to me. And it just so happened that she had done a year, just a, a, like a random gap, not a gap year, like a transfer a year in the US. And she played, I think, at Kent State. And her coach who had, um, who had been her coach there was now at Syracuse University and was in need of a left-sided midfielder, um, which happened to be me. <laughs> uh, that was my position at the time. I was a left-sided midfielder. And so my friend Holly said, like, would you be interested? And I said, I'll get back to you. And then the next day I texted her, I was like, yeah, I would be interested. So she contacted this coach at Syracuse and she was like, okay, cool. So I want to see um, video of her playing, like that kind of thing. This did not exist of me. None of it existed. Um, and for somehow my friend pulled some strings, spoke to her, convinced her that I would be a solid addition to our team. And I got a full ride the next week to Syracuse. And I moved three months, two, two and a bit months later, um, and showed up for preseason thinking I was moving to New York City. And I was not. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was gonna be my next question, because had you ever been to the States no, prior to? So you, never you, been. Get, you get put in upstate New York out of all of the places. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was thrown into upstate New York so it was a, such a culture shock it was it was almost like I got off the plane and the world had been like pumped up and inflated seven times the size like that's the size differential in everything from Scotland to here like the roads the cars people's personalities like everything just felt so massive here it was very overwhelming and also it was hot like it was so fucking hot and we were going three days we were getting up at 6 a.m um just they were i mean it was pre-season they we were getting like trained into the ground and there was a couple of other sort of european people there and they had to get us all these custom ice vests i was gonna and ask but, i remember the story you had yeah, an ice vest. We had to put them on as we looked like the fucking Michelin men. But it was the only way that we weren't going to get heat stroke. We were so unprepared. I was so I was so unprepared. It was a real culture shock. So so you were wearing an ice vest in between during <laughs> during during, <laughs> during so you just wouldn't oh, it wouldn't have like a heat stroke. Yeah, yeah. No, we were we were wearing them. And we had these kind of skin like skin tight tops and we'd be wearing them and it was like, I don't know if that's an ab or a tit or whatever it just looked or like or a roll of something it was ridiculous um but yeah it was it was those memories like you'll never get them again in the same way just like such crazy experiences playing at that level uh, in that intensity for such such a time I mean that was why I ended up doing CrossFit like I was hunting for that feeling again and I never I never got close but there's nothing quite playing competitive sport like that and sort of going at people. Especially at that level too, I have to imagine. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was great. A real, you know, I don't know if you have this like moments in your life that you reflect back on and think that was a peak experience, like a peak intensity of, of feeling. Um, and I always, 
like the the peak experience like physical and emotional experience of my life was in my senior year where I just trained all summer to smash this fitness test which was the 2k the time mm -hmm. 2k and it was the it was like I trained my ass off and I did it in like 657 which was fast it was like and That's I've never fast. I had never felt more powerful it was such a cool feeling and I don't I mean it's kind of weird to say that fitness test is the peak experience of your life but it was <laughs> well I, I think it was everything leading up to it and that, that test was just like the the first hurdle you know to start this it was the first thing to start off that that senior year so I could see why you know it was like the yeah it was the first moment that kind of propelled the rest of the year is that how you felt when you finally got your one arm chin Zoom. yes I am a man now. Maybe, maybe, yes, that, that, that was the moment where I realized I'm a man when I did, when I did a one-arm chin-up. Um, yeah, I, 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 that's a good question. Honestly, no, I, I probably can't compare playing, you know, at the, the top level of, you know, of a sport to accomplishing a one-arm chin-up. It's probably not the same thing, you know, because then when I accomplished it, I was just, it was kind of like a, it's like a letdown. It was like all my, my Tinder dates. It was just a, it was a big letdown, mm -hmm. you know, the next morning when the high is over, <laughs> you know, you, totally. you, you feel kind of disgusting afterwards. I didn't feel disgusting yeah, yeah. after the one arm chin up, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm disgusting. No, I, I think just... you make a, I think you make a really good point though, about um, not to be cliched, but often it's not the arriving that mm -hmm. you remember. It's, it's like all the, yep. it's all that shit. And, um, but yeah, it's, it was the same when I wrote my book last year. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, the day it came out was a big deal, but the fucking grind to get it to exist. That's the, oh, that's all, that's all the stuff you remember yeah. for me anyway. Well, it's, it's the most, I, I heard this on another podcast. You don't remember like the really enjoyable, I don't want to say the really enjoyable things, but like you remember like the most miserable, tough, you know, grueling things you went through. Like I, I remember chiropractic still school, still how miserable it was. Like you probably remember all of those three a days wearing the weight, the weight vest, the ice vest, you know, um, in upstate New York in the middle of nowhere in the, the summer, probably dying. Like you oh, probably yeah. remember those more than like laying, like laying on a beach. You're not really a beach person, are you? No. Oh no. I mean, it's hot. I have yeah. to be near a tree. Yep. Okay. So maybe like in the, the mountains, you know, like relaxing yeah. somewhere. Like, I, I don't know where people would go if they don't go to the beach. Um, yeah. But before we, we kind of move on, because you brought up your book, I want to talk about the book, but we were talking about field hockey and I have mm. people um, ask guest questions here. Um, so I have a guest question for you regarding field hockey. And oh, normally, yeah. normally I'll like have the person asking the question record the question for me so like last week asia's wife recorded her question um and i asked sean to ask you a question your partner your is you guys are engaged right fiance are, oh are we are yeah yep. yeah yeah um yeah. but i, also I hate know, that word fiance like what it's is a very that? strange it's a very isn't strange it word. weird it is how I don't many like e's are word. in that and the e's wearing a hat i hate it yes i i know <laughs> what you're referring to but also i know sean really well and i wasn't going to make sean record a question so I, I just wasn't even going to ask. I was just like, hey, like, just text me the question, you know, because like, I just can't see him recording a question and having his voice on it. 
Um, so I have the question here. Oh, and obviously, Christ. Sean, he like, he writes a very in-depth question, you know, like other people are going to be like, tell about the time you pooped with the door open. Sean's is like very in-depth. It's like a three-part question. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm going to pair for I'm going to try to read it here. I'm so sweating. You, I'm sweating. Yep, you should be. Uh, you played field hockey at the highest collegiate level with Syracuse, along with representing Scotland at an international level. Practice has always been ingrained in an early age. What was your, so the first part is, what was your practice like then? Uh, oh, mm. um, my practice back then mm -hmm. was robotic, aggressive, and self-destructive. <laughs> I, I like those descriptor words. Those are great descriptor words. Um, because it's it's an interesting thing when i reflect back on i mean not so much scotland i wasn't quite as um intense it wasn't quite as intense then but when by the time i got to syracuse and got really ingrained in that way of being um i was also using the training as a way to manage myself um so not to get like too deep into the weeds of things but i was someone that always grew up struggle not str i didn't even think i was struggling at the time but i had insanely high standards for myself you would like in hindsight just like crushing perfectionism which really manifested as depression like intense depression um and one of the ways that i would manage that experience was just annihilating my body because it felt like i was alive like it felt really great and I loved being able to control my body and trying to manipulate how it looked. And you saw me like over the years, it would, or maybe you didn't, but um, there's a whole journey there in and of itself. Um, but it's kind of interesting because it's a bittersweet thing. Like my, my practice when I was at Syracuse was incredibly intense, incredibly rewarding in many ways. I pushed my body to places that I never could have possibly imagined but it was also incredibly self-destructive. Like there was a ticking time bomb on all of that. Um, and the way I kind of try to look at it now is that even though at the time, the direction and tone of my energy was a wee bit dark and twisted, it did ingrain in me this sense of consistency will get you something. Like it's gonna get you fucking something. Um, and that served me well now in different ways because i know what it's like to show up um over and over and over and over and over again um so that's how it looked then but it was um i won't say it was pleasant <laughs> i wouldn't say it was pleasant to be me back then let's put it that way <laughs> All right. and then, then the second part to it was um can you draw parallels to your daily practice now totally that that exact, yep, thing, yeah. that exact thing of um, consistency, because there was a long period of my life, which again, we don't really need to go three years or so ago, where I had to kind of repurpose all that I had learned about being an insanely robotic but committed self-destructive person. Um, I was really able to turn those weapons into wants. Like I used that exact same consistency in honestly learning how to eat like a normal person because that was something that i fucked up very well for a very long time um and i was able to channel it into to go back to where we started with this conversation like do we have to be a bitch about everything <laughs> if we're not practicing positivity can we practice something else 
can we practice maybe some kindness towards yourself? What would that look like? Um, it was really, really hard. It was really, really hard, but it was, there was a consistency to the way that I approached that, which has now three years down the line embedded so much, like so many gifts in my life. And it was the same thing that got the book out in the world and the same thing that built my business. Like, it's so funny to me that when I knew you, you were starting to do this whole online business thing. And I just thought that was bizarre. <laughs> I thought it was bizarre because <laughs> at the time I was, I mean, I was so locked into the traditional, mm -hmm. I need a job. I mean, I did because I needed a green card um, yes. and all that kind of thing. But it's kind of hilarious that now you and I, I mean, we're, te we're teaching very different things on the surface, although I'm not so convinced they're different once you actually drill down through it. Um, but you and I do the same thing. We're hawking our shit on the internet. <laughs> we used to be negative and bitch about everyone and now we're just supporting ourselves the same way. I know, now we're hawking high quality products and services on the internet. <laughs> I like to think it's high quality. It um, is. Not like this, this uh, thing goes in any sort of chronological order here. Um, but you brought up a good point or a good thing I was curious about with the, um, what did you say exactly? Um, you know, you said you hit kind of a, a low point a few years ago with the whole structure thing. Wait, was there like an aha moment? I don't want to say, you know, hit rock bottom exactly, but where were you where you were like, my shit's fucked up? Oh, there was a rock bottom. There, there was, call, okay. Oh, there was. Yeah, I call it the reckoning. Um, okay. I like that. Of course. Was... Of course you have some like really witty and clever title on it. <laughs> Yeah, this is what my reckoning looked like. Talk about shame spiral. Um, I took a whole week off work. Mm -hmm. I ate nearly 10,000 calories a day. Okay. And I would look in the mirror and not be able to see my filmed face. Okay. That, that's, that, that's... that's where it went. <laughs> that's when you were like, oh, okay, this is, this is my, uh, what would you call it? Reckoning. Reckoning. I like yeah, that, that is when the bottom, that is when the bottom fell out. Okay. Um, and even then it took me nearly eight weeks to get like, to find a coach who was going to help me, whatever it was that I was going to do. Cause there's so much resistance, even when you're, I, something I often like to say, which maybe you'll like is you get very comfortable resting on a bed of nails. <laughs> like, even though it's really, really fucking painful, um, or it can be very painful wherever, like whatever, I mean, I'm not saying you have to be in the depths of things, but sometimes we get very uncomfortable or very comfortable feeling like shit about things. Um, and you know that in order to get off the bed of nails, that's going to hurt too. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a different way, mm -hmm. but it's going to hurt. So you still have to kind of rally yourself to get going. So um, I hit my rock bottom and then it took me a wee while to kind of, have the heart to get moving um, but once I did this is where the power of practice comes in once I did once I was like we are getting out of hell and we are doing it no matter what um the kind of boomerang effect was yeah. quite it was quite fast like shockingly fast and um, to be honest but it's amazing how quickly you can go from thinking like you can't even see your own face to be like oh I have a face and it's actually fine um, I got there, but it took practice. It took practice. So it's almost like the, the thing that, uh, you know, all that self-destruction to your body was the, the same. Th I don't want to say the same thing that got you out of it, you know, but the, the, the termination in that uh, tenacious, 
ten tenacity, would that be the word? Yeah. Tenacity, um, you know, that maybe broke you down, you know, it's the same thing that got you back out of it is what it sounds like. Oh, totally. I mean, I'm a big fan of the idea that, I mean, no, I'm a fan. It's fucking scientific fact. Energy is never destroyed, only redirected. And so that's why I think that even when you look back on the shit that you've done and you're like, oh God, like not great. <laughs> or, or even the way that you look back at perhaps how much energy you poured into CrossFit or that you poured into something or even like your chiropractic, whatever. Yeah, um, it's not whatever. that it's, you know, that kind of minor degree so you can now put doctor. And I don't use it anymore. It's yeah, fine. exactly. No one needs a chiropractor in Charleston. Um, like that's all that is. I like to think of is evidence and proof that you can do something big that you can do something deep like you can do something cool um so even like all the shit that i did and i look at it i'm like oh god you were really you were really lost there you were really wrong but you did it really well <laughs> and so like all that is is proof that you could do something else really well if you if you give yourself enough time and practice to do it like i I never doubt my capacity to do things. And when I am doubting my capacity to do things, I know that I'm lying to myself. And that's like a really great position to be in because you actually can pretty, I mean, I'm pretty much on board with the idea. I could do pretty much anything, but I see. How many times can you say pretty? I am sure if I put my mind to something, it's gonna happen. So, so let's talk about, talk about when you put your mind to writing a book, because you did it fucking fast. Like, when did you have this idea? And then I feel like a day later, you had a book kind of like, <laughs> kind of like you were in the bakery. And then a day later, you're in upstate New York in an ice vest. <laughs> right. Um, so I committed to writing a book in December of 2019. So the, the winter before pandemic year. And I am... Um, and then I found, I'm a big believer in all, all heroes need a guide. So if I'm the hero and you're the hero um, of whatever it is you're doing, you can get there on your own, but it's going to take you a long time. You're going to make a shitload of mistakes and like, why not find someone who can support you just mm -hmm. in the way that you do with your clients um, or students or whatever you call them. And so I found a company to be my guide and they, but it was also very much a self-directed thing. Um, so went to the workshop for a couple of days, we knocked out or I knocked out the outline for the book. And then I came home to Boston. This was in about, this was late January or February last year. Um, and then I wrote a book very quickly. I wrote 40,000 words in just under six weeks. And then I, and then I put it to the side because they were like, take a week off and then come back to it and read it while sitting on your hands. Um, and so I came back, <laughs> I came and actually I really love, I was listening to one of your um, podcasts earlier or like one of your earlier, I don't know, maybe it was 15 um, or some other made up number. And you talked about how sometimes you need to, need to bang out the shit and then you can edit it. Like you can't create mm -hmm. and edit at the same time. Yeah. So there's something to be said for doing a full rep, even though it looks like a piece of shit. That was very much the same thing for book writing. They're like, write, they call it the vomit draft. So vomit your book, don't ever read it. 
don't edit it, sit down and write each day. And then the next day, come back, read the last sentence you wrote and then keep vomiting. So that was what I did. I just did what I was told, which is sometimes a good thing to do. <laughs> um, and so I did. And then I sat down like on my hands to read it. And it was absolute shit. Whereas, I mean, you could have, it was it looked like something you'd written, to be honest. It was so, so bad. It was so bad. Can't tell you how bad it was. But are there any copies of that version laying around anywhere? Oh, yeah, they're on a Google Drive somewhere. Um, hopefully at the depths of the ocean. Um, so I was like, oh, we're fucked. This isn't a book. But I committed to reading the whole thing. And there was maybe two paragraphs that I loved. And one of them felt like it had the actual book in it, like this idea about what the book was actually going to be about. Specifically, there was the word shrinking in there, which ended up being in the title of my book, Ghost White Perfect Women Shrink. Um, and for some reason, it caught my eye and I got all excited about it. And then I went on runs every morning for like two weeks, listening to the exact same song on repeat. And suddenly all these ideas started filtering into my head. It was crazy. Um, this is when I get all spiritual and woo-woo. But it was, there's something meditative about going out and doing the same thing every single day moving my body and it's like all these ideas came so then i started writing the actual book and then we went into lockdown it was that week we went into lockdown so then sean and i vacated boston and moved out into the suburbs and then honestly i loved the pandemic <laughs> it got so my life got so quiet you, you and me both it sounds so my bad. life got my life got so quiet and then and Sean will remember this every single morning, like seven days a week. Um, I woke up, did a hundred burpees <laughs> to just like, just to like move my body stretch. hundred burpees. Okay. hundred burpees. It's like less than seven minutes, get the body moving, stretched, and then wrote for two hours. Um, and I wrote, I logged onto this app called Focusmate, which I highly recommend. Okay. And you basically remotely co-work with a stranger. So you get onto the call and say, this is my goal for our session. So my goal was always, I'm going to write 500 words in this hour. Okay. And then they would say something like weird back. And then you wouldn't talk. You would just hear their ambient noise. And then at the end, you would check in and be like, I did it. You did it. Okay, cool. There's something weirdly accountable about it. And then I knocked out that book in six weeks. And then I read it back and I was like, that's it. That was the first draft. Um, and so then obviously like went through iterations, edits, and then you go into book cover design and all that fun stuff. I did some, we got some illustrations done, then marketing, and then it came out in January and I, and it was a bestseller. Like it was amazing. I'm still thinking about this focus mate, this, uh, not, not to take away from the book and the amazing accomplishment, but you're just sitting like so is it like the equivalent of like sitting in a library next to somebody but you're telling the person your goals before you guys get after it is that is that literally what this is yeah so it's kind of it's yeah i don't even know if the platform still exists i assume it does yeah um i think it's maybe five dollars a month okay. and so you would book in a session on this thing so i would just i just blocked like mm -hmm. at, at seven seven a.m and eight a.m these, those are these are my writing hours yeah. And um, you log on, it's a complete stranger. I was co-working with people all over the world. Um, sometimes I met 
I actually got a client through it, which was crazy. Really? Cause, that yeah, is crazy. Cause, yeah, because I randomly we landed on each other multiple times and she had these like like yellow pom-pom earrings and I had to comment on them because they were just so incredible. And she ended up being my client, which was amazing. Uh, but yeah, you just sort of logged on just like you and I are here. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, hi, I'm Iona. I'm working on a book and trying to do 500 words. And it was so weird what people were up to. Like some people were on Focusmate to do like their workout, but they just needed someone to be there <laughs> so they would fucking do it. <laughs> I, guess, I guess if you say you're going to do this and then you have to check in with a complete stranger, you really don't want to admit, hey, no, I, I kind of quit 10 minutes into it and I just checked yeah. Instagram the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. It was an odd feeling of accountability, even though I had no connection to the person whatsoever. Um, and it was weird. I would, I would sometimes match with the same person and one week they would have a job and the next week they'd been furloughed. That happened with this really nice guy called, I think he was called like Quinn in London. I felt it was so sad. Quinn lost a job. Um, and he was, it was, but it was weird to have these like intimate experiences with people. Some of them were doing, sitting there doing meditation. Some of them were like, I'm trying to get through my emails. It's like, how many emails do you have? <laughs> <laughs> you need um, a focus mate to get through your fucking emails. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. It said the experience was an odd one, but, um, there is something about perhaps being watched a little bit that, Sean sometimes says that maybe you feel that too like when you're out training or you're training in the gym Mm -hmm. there's something about other people watching you that can sometimes just make you raise your game a little bit yeah I, I think we've had that discussion not to get too off topic here that um like him and I both have like taken memberships or taken like uh decided to work out at random gyms, you know, like health clubs, just because like what we're doing is so obscure that like the person on the treadmill or the person back squatting, you know, is going to like watch the guy doing handstand push-ups off the side of a fucking box, you know? So mm-hmm. like you, you're, I think you're absolutely right. It raises your game a little. So I, I could see that not to, not to push yeah. this focus mate app because I'm just finding <laughs> out about it now. Uh, <laughs> So, but but what you what you said though is also genius marketing in my opinion. Like yeah. go be the black sheep where the rest of the flock are white. Like go hang out in these places. I just I, I think that's I often think about that with the work that I do. Like I my dream, my favorite clients are the old me's, like the robots and the ice queens and the kind of I don't know, whatever else you want to call them. And I kind of love showing up in places where they're over there doing the robot thing. And I'm like, oh, by the way, there's this blind spot you're missing. It's called your inner reality. Um, let's, let's look at what's going on inside and everyone has a heart attack, but then they realize that they have these massive blind spots. So I think there's something to be said for going like, what is it? Like swimming in the opposite direction, being in that white space a little bit. Um, I always think that that's a cool thing to do. Do you have like a book where you get all these really good analogies from, you know, the laying on the bed of nails, swimming upstream? Like, I feel like it's just one amazing one liner after another with you. I feel like, do you just come up with all of these? I actually, well, I don't think I can claim salmon swimming upstream as an Iona Holly original, but I have been told this and I don't know where they come from. 
Um, I have found that they come to me much more readily when I speak rather than when I write. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm now that weirdo that like goes on walks and talks into a voice recording app because for some reason I'm smarter when I talk um, or I get better ideas or I say things in a more succinct way. And I think I've even heard you talk about that. It's like you write a whole bloody paragraph outlining the activation of the scapula when you could have just said something yes. about it. Um, but no, I think that's just, maybe I could credit it to reading a lot when I was younger, but I don't know. Maybe it's just an Iona thing. I think it's I ha- an Iona You're not thing. the first person to say it though. So, I- and, gonna... I, and I received the compliment gratefully. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to sh- shift here a little bit. Um, I want to talk about the breath work that you do. Yes, because breathwork, I feel like it's a term kind of like, you know, I do movement or I'm an entrepreneur. Like what, like, it's just so ambiguous. Like, I I feel like, you know, like it's like saying I do CrossFit too. You know, I feel like it's just like such a, like, let's get into it a little more. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like for you? Um, Like if I'm, if I'm coming to you, because I want to learn more about that, um, you know, like the only thing I know about breathwork, you know, let's say is like, Wim Hof, you know, I saw a Netflix documentary on him, like, Mm -hmm. where, let's, let's get into that. Yeah, totally. Um, Breathwork is one of the tools that I use with my clients. Um, And one of the reasons that I love breath, one of the reasons I love breathwork, and one of the reasons why I think it's actually really good, especially for men, not just like, I'm not being sort of cornering off a particular demographic but one of the men it's fine i mean there's men here so let's talk about it for men is that it is a really great way of connecting with your inner reality in a way that perhaps if you struggle with the idea of meditation or don't even know what to begin or where to begin with that um Breathwork gives your body something to do. And I just actually, I'm incorrect there. It gives your mind something to do. So all breathwork really is, is the conscious use of your breath in varying patterns, in varying intensities for varying durations of time. And some of those are, can be deeply relaxing for the nervous system. Some of those can be very activating. But one of the most useful parts of it, I think, for someone who's perhaps kind of into the idea that there's something to be said for understanding what's going on (laughs) inside and we're like why am I the way I am or what does introspection look like or whatever is that breathing gives your mind something to focus on so that it is working on something like our little monkey brain loves to be working on something so you give it a pattern to work on and then the actual use of the breath really can start to open up your body um and i've actually worked with quite a lot of men who have avid men cry doing breath work because it's cracked them open in Mm -hmm. a way that they don't actually have the capacity to think through logically because newsflash you can't feel through things logically (laughs) and i should know (laughs) because i tried to do that for a really long time and try to mitigate my emotions by acting like a robot and thinking through them um, so that's one of the reasons that I love breathwork. It's kind of an uh, easy entry into doing, into perhaps what you would want to call more of a spiritual practice or taking more of an introspective approach to who you are and why you do things the way you do. 
Um, and there's a there's something about giving your mind a task which lets it kind of go offline and like, okay, so I need to just do this particular rhythm of breath, um, which can actually allow things to kind of rise up in you. Um, and the other thing I like about it is that it's very self-directed. So you can go as deep as you want, as shallow as you want, no time spent in your body is wasted. Um, so you're never gonna lose with it. Um, and it's also something you can do anywhere. Like I call it an invisible tool. I use it when I am in the presence of someone who is pissing me off and, for so, and, I'm, and I'm calm because my internal environment is calm. Um, so I love it for, for that as well. But yeah, I mean, a lot of us are carrying a lot of shit around in our bodies, a lot of suppressed emotion. Um, and there's a reason why a lot of men are very angry or sad or anxious um and learning how to release that a little bit without having to go through like a really intense training session um it's just one of those it's like another tool for your toolbox and i love tools so, so I, I have a lot of questions um first off you busted out another one of those um iona isms with uh you know it's an invisible is, did you call it an invisible tool when someone's pissing you off mm -hmm. yeah there's there's yeah. another good there's another good one of your analogies right there um <laughs> yeah before I ask all my questions, what was your reaction the first time you had a, a man crying in front of you with the, with the breath work? Like, what, like, were you like, oh shit, what did I do? <laughs> oh no, because I mean, in order to teach breath work, mm -hmm. I had to do like 240 hours of training. Okay. Um, and so by the time I got to that, like. Just a walk in the park. I mean, yeah. And that, this will perhaps shock you, but I no emotions shock me really anymore i have seen everything now in really? in the way that i've um experienced them in myself i nothing really shocks me because at, at the end of the day just to go back to the analogy of energy and energy mm -hmm. just being redirected that's all an emotion is energy in motion through your body and if breathwork is a practice that can allow you to release emotion you perhaps have no control over what the way that emotion comes out looks like. So when someone cries in front of me, all I'm really noticing is an energy release. That's that's the way that I look at it. Um, and breathwork tears, I call them, are very common. Um, I not, I mean, this man was weeping. Um, weeping. But it was, it was like, it was, I thought it was really beautiful. And he thought it was beautiful. And he still talks about it. Like, that's the thing. People, people come back. To, I just had a guy, um, you know him. Uh, he did, he was a member at our CrossFit gym who did a breathwork session with me last year. And he just emailed me randomly the other day being like, I still think about that. Like, it was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had in my life. And, it, and it's kind of crazy to think that you have the capacity to have that level of an experience simply by breathing for an extended period of time um so yeah the emotions are no big deal um i welcome them all so are there different let's let's call them protocols based upon like you know if someone's anxious versus um yeah anxious is the one that comes to mind you know mm -hmm. because because right now i have my uh, my neighbors giving me a hard time because 
I am deathly afraid of the bridge in Charleston. There's this bridge <laughs> from where I live, and we literally live at the like base of the bridge. And to get over into downtown, you have to go over this fucking monstrous bridge. And I've basically just have given up on drive. Like I don't know why it makes me so anxious to drive over the thing. Also, I I don't have a car. I don't have anywhere to be. My girlfriend and I go all to the same places, so it's fine. Yeah. Like it's it's not. So anxious is the only word that comes to mind right now, but like protocols for like, um, you know, all these different emotions, like, is, is there a place to start in terms of, or regards to that? Oh yeah. Um, oh, this is so exciting. I want to like understand why you're so scared of bridges. It sounds like for you're perhaps projecting a past experience into your possibly reality. Well, I mean, I was just chatting about this the other day with someone whenever we're having an experience in our present, we're responding to something that's mm-hmm. eliciting an anxious response. Um, we're all, we're, as humans, we're always living in time. So either fear of the future or fear of the past or memories of the past. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, we're always superimposing something on our present reality. Another really good reason to practice presence and breath work because it can really ground you in the moment. Um, so we won't get into bridges today, but maybe you can, you can pay me for a session. No, I like this question because the answer is yes. Um, there's lots of different types of breathing that when you're in an anxious state, all that really means from a nervous system perspective is that you are mobilized, sympathetic, fight or flight is kind of the common mm-hmm. way that it's described. Um, and that that kind of activation in the body is looking for something that's going to allow it to ground and release. Whereas if you're down your sort of autonomic ladder and you're in the swampy, sad feelings, that actually you want to mobilize that and you want to pull that up. So it's perhaps a more like energizing and intense breathing will, will kind of move you up um, your ladder a little bit to be more here and present um so it's not i it's not that i sort of get super granular about that i just get really i get really nerdy about the nervous system i think it's fascinating um and i mean you would deal with it all the time in the sort of titration of movements to get the body to open up it's really no different than stretch like or mobility i should say uh, it's the same thing it's the same stuff you're working with the same systems um so like to be to keep it like high level mm-hmm. like for things like our anxiety you're looking for a breath that's going to calm and soothe if you're feeling like you're down in the in the depths <laughs> and you want perhaps something that's going to bring you up and mobilize you in a more active way um but then to bring it one level up more clients come to me for different things with breath work i would say there's an integrative approach which is like the invisible tool approach like mm-hmm. in the moment you're on the bridge, you want a state change. You don't want to feel anxious anymore. So you want something that can allow you to resource your breath, calm your body, get over this bridge, essentially. So you're looking for invisible tools to help you do that. And that's something that I do and work with clients on. Um, But then there's another avenue, which is the one I was referencing where grown men are crying. And that's more what I call transformative breath work or a breath work journey, which is when you kind of lie down, breathe, extended period of time, like 15, 25, 45 minutes, depending on your kind of experience. 
you're breathing deeply and actively um like big music like to kind of work with your body and that's when people can have more like people describe those more as like psychedelic massively emotionally clearing experiences I mean I've had people I don't I haven't done plant medicine we haven't done crack (laughs) (laughs) you and I have agreed on that but people I work I work with people who have done both Mm -hmm. and they liken those breathwork experiences to psychedelic experiences uh, which again, I just find my powerful is that powerful um, or it can be, but I like to look at it two ways. There's like, so practical, give me a state change so mm-hmm. I can either grab my nervous system and liven it to get me through the day. Shite in a business meeting and um, just had a massive fight with my partner or girlfriend or boyfriend. And what do I do? There's tools for that. Or if I'm like, I want to feel something huge and I'm curious about what that looks like, but I don't want to go into the jungle and spend a thousand pounds in a plant medicine ceremony or dollars in a plant medicine ceremony um, with questionable ethics, maybe I can learn how to do breath work. That would be cool. Um, so there's that whole spat and it's only one of the tools that I use in coaching, like with my clients, there's loads mm-hmm. of other things that we do. Um, but Breathwork is a really wonderful entry gateway drug. Gateway um, drug to, to crack. Yeah, to the to the inner world. Okay. So, what what other tools are you using with clients then? Um, lots of different things. Visualization. Okay. Um, I don't I don't really use that term. This term, but my client used it last night, which I liked. Is just like practicing radical candor like all the shit that you wouldn't normally talk about um, all of the stuff that you wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and the monsters are out and they've got teeth and you're wondering, like, like I love to talk about that stuff with clients and just normalize practicing being vulnerable about things. And um, that's a very underdeveloped muscle in a lot of strong people. Um, I really look at it as working with, like a lot of the subconscious or unconscious patterns and blueprints that are running our life. Like whether we realize or not, all the core beliefs that we have about ourselves, the core values, what we think is possible for us, what we think we can do, what we think we can't do. All of this is programmed from a very young age, from our interactions with our parents, the ways that we attach to them, the forms of experiences we have as children and then young adults. And then some of the crazy ruptures that we have in relationships or people that we meet or weird events that happen to us. Um, This all embeds in our bodies in different ways and drives the way that we live our lives. And I contend that if you don't spend time with it, you have massive blind spots that you should at some point start thinking about. I like that because when we think about anything, you know, and typically I just think in like training, you know, mobility, you know, movement, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, and I, I'm always saying to my clients, it's a very cliche thing. Um, you know, a chain is only strong as its weakest link. And like, that's what I was thinking right there when you're using the term blind spots. Um, you know, because everyone's doing everything they can, you know, to feel good, eat healthy, you know, sleep and taking my Flintstone vitamins, you know, I'm doing all these things, you know, biohacking, whatever. 
and it seems like you're by by not addressing these things like you're you're leaving a lot on the table there you're leaving a lot yeah i think that description is perfect there you are you got a good one um it is i all i can think about is feels like so much of my life i spent not liking myself like that's like when i get down to sort of why i was doing anything that i was doing it was because i was trying to mask hide or convince myself that i was a good person like these were all things that i was doing and sure i perhaps took it to an extreme but to be honest i've worked with a lot of people now and there is a lot of us who are just running around desperately trying to convince ourselves that we are okay to be alive that we are worth worth the air that we're breathing um and i one of my proudest achievements never mind fucking who gives a shit about a sports scholarship my greatest achievement in my life is that i like myself i actually can say that pretty much every day i wake up and i'm really happy to be me and i don't believe that that's the case for a lot of people i know it's not the case because i get a lot of emails i, f- I feel like it's it's kind of negative to say but like i feel like most people don't like themselves like no they don't straight up straight up or you don't want to give yourself you know the the credit or the the satisfaction you know i feel like by not it sounds bad but to not like yourself like that's how you motivate yourself to like want to achieve more or do more like when you said that i was like fuck i feel like nobody likes themselves yeah, i am totally. the first person i've met that likes herself totally and just imagine coming from a country where it is social currency to think you're a piece of shit like that's the humor of the scots that's what i that's what i grew up in i'm not saying it's anything to it's not scotland's fault um but that was not something that was ever taught to me that you could be someone that is like successful good at what you do can share generously your work generously your work with others um do things that you care about and that not to be driven by a deep seated disgust of the person that you are or like a yearning or desire to be someone else mm-hmm. um and there's something very like there's something nice to know that at the end of the day I come home and I like myself and I and I say that in a sort of dismissive way that took a shitload of work way more work than any physical feat um or any body <laughs> composition that i had or you know money that i made or whatever um i think it's that's my secret weapon like i really i like myself <laughs> i like that do you think it do you think it starts with just being able to because you're talking about the breath work and everything you're doing you know we're either fearful of the future you know or we're fixating on the past and the ability to be present I feel like when you can be present, you know, that's when you can actually like, I don't want to say be happy, you know, cause I feel like a couple guests ago, they talked about doing Nelson talked about, you know, doing psychedelics and mushrooms mm-hmm. and LSD or acid. I don't know what it was. One of yeah. those where, you know, you actually are present and you're happy, um, you yeah. know, because you're not worrying about either one of those. Uh, and it sounds like that's where the sweet spot is. Yeah. I love what you said. And I will, I always say this, happiness is not the point happiness is just an emotion there is no hierarchy to them no emotion is better than another it's just that we have a tolerance for some more than others and we do a lot to avoid feeling most of them and 
once you have been to the point where you've kind of broken yourself down and been able to meet all the stuff. I mean, I had to really work through a lot of shame around the person that I was and some of the shit I did and like some of the ways that I, I mean, we're laughing about sort of being a wee bit bitchy. Like I had to go through a whole reckoning around that. It's like, why are you like that? Why did you need to be that way? Sure, it can be lighthearted and fun sometimes, but you were often just a dick. And you had to, I had to, that's a really shadowy aspect of mm. who I was that I really spent a lot of time examining and under, wondering why. Um, and I realized so often that when you're, like, when you're having to annihilate other people, you, it is a projection of your own shadow. It is a projection of your own shadow more often than not. Um, and I'm not standing here trying to say like I'm the Buddha uh, at all, but I've met a lot of these parts of myself. And once you get, once you like drill down through it, at that point, it's like, well, this is who I am. Can I accept myself anyway? Um, can I, are there parts of this of me that I can forgive for being that way? Um, and then what now? Um, and that's one of the big reasons why I do the work that I do. There was like, I'm pretty sure I was the cause of a lot of pain, sure in my own life, but in other people's. And I love the work that I do now because it feels like in some way <laughs> retribution. Because um, now I love to share, like I've been there, I know what it's yeah. like. Yeah. Um, and that's always the best place to teach from is your own experience. Yeah, from experience, and, yeah. And what absolutely. you care about. Well, I think it's like what you're saying in the beginning. Um, I don't even know what it was in reference to, but you know, you're talking about, it was another one of your clever ionisms um, with finding a, I think you called it a hero um, where you basically you seek out a coach because you know, they've already fucked up. They've already made all the mistakes. So they're going to expedite the process for you. So you don't have to go through all those growing pains more or less. Um, sounds like yeah. the same exact thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. And I mean, I, I didn't make that up. That's the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. um it is like hero encounters an obstacle one arm chin or liking myself mm -hmm. what do i do <laughs> or oh, okay i just spent a week eating ten thousand calories every day i think i need a guide um and then ideally you find someone who you deeply resonate or you feel seen by or understood by or is basically two steps further along than you are and you invest in them because they have knowledge that you need and then you still have to do all the work and you're still going to fall down a million times and fuck up and, and like question yourself. But you have someone there or someone or a group, like it can sometimes be a group or it can be like, that's the one thing, not the one thing, but like that's something CrossFit does so well. Mm -hmm. yes. the, power of, the power of the pack, the community, yeah. we're here to pick you up. Yeah, sure. You probably didn't need to do a hundred kipping pull-ups but we're here for you and we believe in you um, and we'll pick then, you up when you got to go to the hospital or the raptor right exactly and then this is the other thing which i feel very strongly about as someone who is essentially a guide for other people is that at a certain point you they don't need you anymore mm -hmm. like they've built their if you're a baby giraffe like stumbling around yep they build their baby. legs the builder legs and then it's off to learn from a new guide um or you change the like the focus of your work together um but that should always be open for discussion as well but i've had so many i mean i'm sure you have too i've sought out the guidance 
of lots of different people at this point for lots of different yep. things because no one person is the answer to everything that you need and if you think that way you're crazy so i think every hero has to break up as a guide at some point and that's okay that's a neutral that's a neutral thing so what's the i don't want to call it the process what's is there like an average time you work with a client before they're ready to go off into the wilderness on their own fly yeah. spread their wings yeah like i love that question um for one-off breathwork sessions, I do one-off breathwork sessions. Okay. Um, but for, um, I mean, most of my, my long-term, I mean, all my long-term clients are women. Um, but we commit to six months. Okay, minimum. six months. And there's something to that commitment in and of itself, which to me communicates their readiness. Yeah. Like see the value, are not looking for a quick fix, not looking for a magic bullet. You're in this, you're in this. Okay, cool. Let's go. Um, and some people are great after six months and some I've been with more like, I'm trying to think 18 at this point, mm -hmm. but it's just that everyone starts at a different place. Everyone's got slightly different yeah. shit to work through or goals that they want to realize. Um, and as long as you're both feeling the value and seeing that, then it takes as long as it takes, but I'm also a big believer in flying the nest. I don't like dependency models. I don't think you always need to come back to the same person for your answers at a certain point. It's mm -hmm. like, thank you so much. Like we've achieved a lot and now I'm ready to do something else. I like that you said everyone comes in at a different starting point. It's no different than, you know, if you it's want a one arm chin up and you can't do a fucking strict chin up, of course, it's, gonna, it's probably going to take you about three years to get a goddamn one-arm chin-up, but if you've been training them and you can do, you know, eccentric one-arm chin-ups, well, yeah, we'll probably get your one-arm chin-up in like three months and you're going to make me look real good. So, yeah, right. I, I like how you said that, that, you know, everyone's coming in at a different point, but I think the, the barrier to entry, I, I like that six-month minimum, honestly. It sounds like, uh, you know, it shows commitment. It shows that they're ready and it's they're going to kind of, I don't want to say the long haul because six months isn't even that long. No, it's really not. No, it goes it's really by, not. It goes by so quickly. So yeah. then do you work with, what, what does that look like when someone's committed to working with you for six months? Is it uh, like a, a weekly thing, uh, every day? Like what's yeah. the structure? How do you operate with people? Yeah, so six months looks like um, we have an hour-long session where we meet every week. Mm -hmm. And every week we'll be exploring some kind of theme. And whatever that, th there's some, I call it kind of like, the installation of baseline awareness and kindness. Everyone needs to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I install kind of language around body, thoughts, feelings, nervous system. Like we sort of get our shared vocabulary and it's kind of similar, like what's an AMRAP um, or what's a yeah. concentric or whatever. Yep. Um, and that just takes me a bit of time. And then depending on what the person's coming with, like their biography of whatever, um, and their goals too, then we just work from there. Um, so it always looks a little bit different. Some clients are way more sending me a voice note every day and other clients are out there load wolfing it a bit more and neither is right or wrong. It's just more types and styles. Um, but I love voice note support for day-to-day -day stuff, but I don't work the weekends. Um, they're fending for themselves at the weekends and that's important for me as well to get to chill. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the kind of the general format and every week I send them off on something to explore themselves. 
and Homework. I think it's really, oh, do you know, I hate that word, but I guess I prefer theme. Theme, okay. <laughs> prefer theme. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's essentially, it's essentially that. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just enough structure that we've got focus um, and then just enough space for whatever comes up, comes up. Because often, um, this might be different. Actually, no, it's probably similar with what you do. People come to you thinking they want, they need help with this. And then what they actually need is this. Something completely um, different. Yep. Exactly. And mm -hmm. so as long as you're kind of both on board with that and sort of commu communicating clearly, mm -hmm. um, then no one's ever been disappointed. <laughs> no one's ever been disappointed. No, no, no one's asked for their money back yet is what you're saying. I've never had to do that. I'm sure there'll come a time. Um, I've had people pay me up front for six months and then not show, which was wow. brutal. Um, because that to me is, that was the saddest money I ever made. Um, but, you know, everyone's ready when they're ready. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, something I'm still circling back on because we were talking about it um, and this is probably bad because I'm, I'm thinking about something in the past where I should be in the moment right now. That's a, been a very common theme. Um, but, but it was a thought that came up and then you were just, were talking and I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta let her talk. A good host doesn't fucking talk. He shuts the fuck up. Uh, so that, that's how I know I have a good guest if they're talking and I'm not doing shit. So it's great. Uh, but we were, we were talking about, or you were talking about how like you genuinely like yourself and it's like, mm -hmm. wow, I achieved this goal. You know, and I, I was thinking about this whole theme of, you know, how many fucking people like themselves. And then I was thinking about like every goal I've achieved. I've once I've achieved it, I was like, oh, that really wasn't that exciting. Whether it was like a, you know, the one arm chin up, you know, accomplishments in business, whether it's making a certain mm -hmm. amount of money, having a certain number of clients, then you're just like, oh, I've got to raise the ceiling, got to raise the ceiling. Um, it doesn't sound like you had that experience when you started liking yourself. Did you like? Was there a moment where you're like? fuck yeah, I've accomplished this goal. I can move on to the next one. No, it's even funny that we're talking about goals yes. because at no point in my emotional healing journey, if we yes. want to call it that, was a goal ever discussed. Uh -huh. um, it was more, it was not to be well, I find soft. this so fascinating. No, not, yeah, not to be soft about it, but it was yeah. a lot more gentle than that. There is okay. not like metrics in yes. the yes. business of liking yourself. That's <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous when you say yeah. that too, right? That's, right. That's, it's, a, it's a felt sense uh -huh. of, um, and that's why I think that in the business of being yourself mm -hmm. and getting on board with knowing yourself, Things like numbers and timelines and, you know, all the sort of measurable ways that you would, quote, notice success don't exist. All I can say is that there's this weird thing and I see it happen with all of my clients at a certain point. It's almost like the road starts to rise up to meet them mm -hmm. and suddenly something is, things just recalibrate. There's kind of this weird foundational sense of I am okay in this world and there's nothing that you can particularly point to and there's never it's, it doesn't happen on week 13 it's it's just there's this something comes in sometimes faster for some people sometimes slower for others where they kind of get on board with themselves mm -hmm. um, and that's a very like I know it sounds kind of abstract and weird but 
Um, that's the only way. And can you imagine having to describe that in an Instagram caption? Like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's that's kind of what it feels like. And uh -huh. one of the one of the craziest experiences that I had at points in when I was very active in this, and I still am, but just in different ways, is when people reflect back to you that they see a shift. Mm -hmm. Like they see a fundamental shift in who you are. Like I have re-met so many pe like people from our shared past uh -huh. who are like, what the hell happened to you? <laughs> in a good way. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like, you're still you, but what's like, what are you not thinking? as miserable anymore. Right, exactly. You, I can tell that you like yourself. What yeah. the fuck? Um, but no, it's just something, there's something about that and there's no real goals to it and you can't really measure it. Um, and I don't even really remember when it happened for me, mm -hmm. but um, it did and it doesn't really go away. And so um, I'm happy for that. <laughs> I, I like that. It, I was, it was something I was just stuck on. So I, I need to ask more about that because it, yeah, it's it a great sounds, question. it sounds so, you know, it's, it's not, it's almost like something I can't like, um, almost, I almost can't even verbalize it. Like, I don't even know how to verbalize yeah. it. Ask your spark, your spark brain is like, cannot compute. Yeah, yes, what exactly. Do you mean? <laughs> how do I program for yes. happiness? <laughs> <laughs> well, while while we're coming to the uh, the finish line here, I always like to ask people. I don't. I still don't have a clever name for it. Maybe you'd come up with something clever. You know, it's like the the rapid fire, the speed dating round. Like that, oh, those are all stupid. Um, yeah. They're just stupid questions I ask at the end. But I need some some like clever name for it. So if you think okay. of something, let me know. Yeah. Um, who is your? So I say goat. You know, hero. We could say inspiration. Who would that be if there's one person? Um, my niece, Evie. Okay. How old is um, she? She's nearly three. Okay. And she was, a, she was being born and she was, or she was like, she was going to exist. Mm -hmm. And I was like, like, fuck, she's going to know this version of me. So okay. um, I dedicated my book to her and okay. she has no idea about any of it. Maybe never will, but. <laughs> <laughs> Evie, one hundred percent. If you had to pick a Hollywood actor to play you in a movie, who would it be and why? I don't know why Chewbacca just came. Okay, Chewbacca. <laughs> that is that may be the the best. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like no one would ever say Chewbacca out of all people. But hey, if you um, want Chewbacca, yeah, then... I'll take her or um, the actress that plays Rooney Mara, the actress that plays Girl in a Dragon Tattoo. Um, I like Chewbacca better now. Yeah, yeah, she's hot though. Yep, and you, weren't you her for Halloween one year? Yes. Very correct. long time ago. Yeah, 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 correct. <laughs> Best advice you've ever received? Um, no one makes you feel inferior without your consent. Oh, I like that. All right, so since you are, so I, are we going to use the the um, title? What we what do we say? Co-owner of body of work. What 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 is your? Oh no, I would say I'm um behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Yeah. Still, you're behind emotional the scenes. support. <laughs> yeah, you do something at a movement school. Um, you know the are we gonna say the the first and only movement school in Boston still? Uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, but with that said, it comes the uh, the Fayu shoes. Yes or no? Do, do we like those shoes? 
I actually really like the beige shoes. Okay. Um, I don't own a pair, although okay. I've considered it at many times. And if I was to purchase a pair, it would be the black ones with the red and white. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure they're made by children in sweatshops. So oh. I just have a slight, given their price yes. tag. So I have a slight <laughs> aversion to that. Um, but I absolutely hate the look of pretty much all minimal, like intentionally minimal shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I was going to buy a movement shoe, probably it would be that one. I just train in plim, like plimsolls or like wee shoes that I buy at H&M. <laughs> <laughs> they, or they barefoot, accom- barefoot as well. Yeah. I love being barefoot. The H&M shoes, they accomplish the same thing. Those are also very they do. cheap. Are you exactly. sure on the efficacy of the shoes though? Have little have No, you just got me you just got me in a double bind and I have no escape. You're correct. <laughs> I'm a terrible person. H and M is so inexpensive, I just have to assume Oh them. yeah, yeah. I walked right into that one, didn't I? Thanks, uh, Worst Instagram trend. Normally I say worst Instagram fitness trend, but you know, just Instagram trend in general. I just hate the captions that pop up and then people pointing to them. Mm, like okay. that real stuff there's yes like i guess you would technically classify me in wellness mm-hmm. although i don't like that category whatsoever because it's rife with nonsense i mean like everything yeah. Yeah, um but if i see like another woman like going ah, and then pointing at something <laughs> and it all being the same thing like like yourself um i will i mean you know in the bin get it in the bin <laughs> All right. So is there there anyone we want to um, thank? The sponsors, parents, partners, dogs, anybody, dogs and cats? Well, well, obviously, I'm always very grateful for my partner, Sean, who you know well, who's been here through thick and thin um, with me. So always him. And then my pets are great, too. You've never met either of them, but... Taki is a very stoic Shiba Inu. And then my cat, Rue, um, hates everyone. And I love that about her. <laughs> um, and I've never held her. She's, she refuses to be held. And I like strong boundaries. So that's my, that's my team. Gives you a goal to work towards maybe one day, an accomplishment. <laughs> maybe that's the ultimate goal right there. Yeah, don't touch me. <laughs> 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 this is great, Wes. Had a great time. Iona, I loved talking to you and you were a great guest because you didn't make me really have to work that much. You did, you did all the talking. So I, I actually just got to listen. It was, it was wonderful. I loved it. I think I'm that have... means you're good at your job. I, I don't know that. Maybe I just... Or I'm full of myself. Yes, one of the two. <laughs> um, norm, normally John outros these things. Um, I'm going to have to work on this. You know, give us, if you like it, give us a review on uh, whatever platform you're listening to. If you got any topics, guests, Anything else you want to see on the podcast, shoot us a DM at Dr. Wes Hendricks or at The Movement Journey. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. I'll get better at these outros for guests. I appreciate you guys listening, and I appreciate you, Iona. Yeah, you too, Wes, most of the time. Most of the time. That's fine. <laughs>